Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel Podcast. As a vibrant part of life at Trinity Western University, Chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His Word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. So thank you very much for um, traversing this storm and showing up. Those online, uh, we can't blame you. Uh, We hope you're comfortable and uh, ready to engage with God's Word. So I'd like to begin with an invitation, and it's an invitation to you. I want you to think about your life. The good news is I'll ask you a personal question, but the good news is this. You won't have to share your answer with anyone. The question is this. Have you endured real suffering, hardship, or loss? Now, sadly, a number of us don't have to work very hard at all to come up with an answer. And for some of you, the answer is yes. That answer comes very quick to your mind. Everyone here today has either gone through suffering, knows what it means to be vulnerable, or someone close to us has had a significant loss. My hope and prayer is that as we reflect on God's Word, you'll be given an assurance, an assurance that despite your circumstances, you are in the palm of a gracious, faithful, and loving Lord, a God who will meet you at your deepest point of need, should you turn to Him in faith. When times are difficult, it's easy to become overwhelmed, to lose focus, peace, hope, and even this little word of three letters, joy. And most of you don't know me well, but joy is something I place a lot of stock in. I do so because when I was training to be a musician, joy was one of the core things that I experienced. When I would play soccer, joy was deeply part of that experience. And then when I became a theologian, I learned how important joy is to being a Christian theologian. So here's a quote from one of my favorite theologians, Karl Barth. And Barth writes this, bent over his desk writing, the theologian who labors without joy is not a theologian at all. Sulky faces, morose thoughts, and boring ways of speaking are intolerable in this field, to which Bart adds, joy is the simplest form of gratitude. Joy is wonderful. But just like gray, cloudy, and rainy days in the Pacific Northwest, suffering and hardship will inevitably fall upon each of us. And when suffering comes your way, not only might you be less joyful than you would like, but you may also give in to something called doubt. Doubt that things won't turn around. Doubt that you won't make it. And perhaps even doubt that God cares enough about you to reach out and to help. Now, these are all very human and therefore understandable responses. And before I turn to the passage of Esther today, I'm going to introduce you to just one more theologian. This time, 
the theologian is female, Canadian. She hails from Winnipeg. And her name is Kate Bowler. She's currently an associate professor at Duke Divinity School in North Carolina. What you might not know about Kate is she married her high school sweetheart. She became a celebrated professor of Christianity at Duke. She's a young mother, and then in 2015, she was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Kate was only given two years to live. Six years later, Kate is with us. And through the intervening years, she's become a New York Times best-selling author. This journey, as you can imagine, has been terribly difficult. Throughout this season, she's gained a number of hard-won lessons, and I'd love to share just one of them with you. Kate writes, I've given up on most forms of certainty, except my deep belief that God draws near to those who suffer. My hope is that today's sermon will give you a bit of a foundation, foundation upon which God can engender deep confidence, confidence that, as Professor Bowler has mentioned, can be found in a God who is faithful, who draws near to you when you suffer. So please join with me in prayer. Holy, truthful, gracious, and ever-present Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. In your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So let's, let's think through this. Um, the passage of Scripture goes like this. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave to Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, and Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was to her. Then the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave to Mordecai. So Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Then Esther spoke again to the king. She fell at his feet weeping and pleading with him to avert the evil design of Haman, the Agagite, and the plot that he had devised against the Jews. The king held out the golden scepter to Esther. And Esther rose and stood before the king, and she said, If it pleases the king, and if I have won his favor, and if the thing seems right before the king, and I have his approval, let an order be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, son of Hamadath of the Agagite, which he wrote giving orders to destroy the Jews who are all in the provinces of the king. For how can I bear to see the calamity that is coming on my people? Or how can I bear to see the destruction of my kindred? Then King Asuerus said to Queen Esther and to the Jew Mordecai, See, I have given Esther the house of Haman. They have hanged him on the gallows because he plotted to lay hands on the Jews. You may write as you please with regard to the Jews in the name of the king and seal it with the king's ring for an edict written in the name of the king and sealed with the king's ring cannot be revoked. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So point one. 
God protects and delivers the humble. Today's scripture teaches us about the character or nature of God. It also reveals how God works in the world. And the place to begin is with a confession, a joint confession, if you will. You see, it's fitting and healthy to simply say to God that we know ourselves to be frail, vulnerable, and not always clear about the direction we should take in life. And then having confessed this truth to the one who created, sustains, and will bring the world to its fullness, we ought to reach out in faith and prayer and seek to align our will with the will and purpose of God. To show you what I mean, I want to draw your attention to a poignant and moving episode in the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. We'll return, I promise, to Esther. But before we do, look with me, if you will, to this brief scene in which Mary has just realized that she, of all women, has been blessed by God with the gift and calling to give birth to the Messiah. And when she learns this, she bursts into song. For lyrics, Mary reaches all the way back to 1 Samuel chapter 2 and remembers this prayer by Hannah, singing, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. There is no holy one like the Lord, no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. And then in verse 7, Hannah writes, The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low. He also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. Now, I'll say a few more things, but let me just briefly touch on this. That passage, Hannah's song, is in a way a commentary on what God does in Esther. And if you're following along, it can indeed be a commentary on what God will do in your life. Do you find hope in these words, encouragement, perhaps even joy? Hannah's prayer and Mary's Magnificat declare that God is utterly unique. There is no other like God. They also proclaim that this God not only cares about the vulnerable, but like a rock, is steadfast in his faithfulness. And he acts to raise them up, to lift the needy from the ash heap, to set them on solid ground. Indeed, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob brings low, but he also exalts. So, beloved, take comfort in the fact that you worship a loving and faithful God. And not only this, that the God you worship is powerful, and not merely powerful alone, but also merciful and knows you by name. The very breath you have is given to him given to you by him. He has created and sustains you. So like the children of Israel, you're in good hands. With this in place, let's turn our attention back to Esther chapter 8. If my first task was to speak briefly about the character and nature of God 
as a faithful, steadfast Lord. My second task is to help you know that you're called to do in light of God's faithful and loving action. So the first thing to say about Esther, chapter 8, is that God acts to protect and deliver the humble. The second is this. There is a call to faithful action, not passivity. Now, I hope you'll remember this point. Long after we depart, God calls us to obedience, faithful action, not passivity. Never get this twisted. God is faithful, powerful, and gracious. God speaks. God does not act to deliver his children from suffering and brokenness so that they can remain as they are. God doesn't do this in, for, in order for them to remain passive. God is a God of action, and he calls. He calls each of us and every person in this room. He has a call upon your life, and this call is something to which you must respond. Respond in faith, hope, and love. The point here is this. Don't confuse humility with inaction or passivity, but instead, connect humility with action. In your faithful response to God, you can be both humble and active. This is why, in part, Trinity Western University uses this phrase, face the world, and now it's a campaign, now it's on digital billboards. Our calling is to engage, to be a community that loves the world that God has made, and to risk building relationships and friendships with people who may not share our deepest convictions, but they too are loved by God. They too are worthy of deep friendship and commitment. So can we be both humble and courageous? Indeed, if you remain open to God, you're open to God's, to responding to God's call upon your life, you will inevitably be drawn into a story larger than your own a story of God's redemption, a story in which God is at work, liberating, renewing, and reconciling all things in his Son, Jesus. So with this in place, let's briefly go back in Esther, chapter 4. King Esuerus has given Haman instructions to write and publish an edict. This edict commands the death and annihilation of the Jews, young and old, women and children. And when Mordecai becomes aware of this edict, as you remember, he and the entire Jewish community fall into inconsolable mourning and grief. Realizing this, Esther calls one of the king's eunuch, Hathach, to pass along messages to Mordecai, seeking to comfort him. Instead of being consoled, Mordecai directs Hathach to ask Esther to appear in the king's inner court uninvited. That act could spell, as you know, the end of her life. And when he hears that Esther is hesitant, that she might not want to do it, she's nervous, Mordecai counselors her with this passage. Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silence at such a time as this, Relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter. But you and your father's family 
will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. We normally focus on the words for such a time as this. It's important to realize that Mordecai knew that God is a God of providential care and action, and that if it was God's will for the people to survive, and Mordecai certainly believed that, God would protect and deliver his people. The only cautionary note for us is this. Mordecai had confidence in God. He did not, however, appear to have as much confidence in God's people. And so he reminded Queen Esther that if she would not act, they both might be killed. But in the end, God would deliver his people by using others, by providing deliverance, as the text says, from another quarter. Again, the point is clear. God will always bring about his will and good purpose. In the end, God will bring the entire world to its proper end. God is able to do all of that without us, without you, without me. We may be called to do God's will, but the Bible reveals time and time again that God's people resist doing so, and God keeps moving forward to accomplish his redemptive work. All to say that human disobedience, even among those who identify as followers of Christ, will not, in the end, frustrate God's purpose. But the challenging and hard truth for us lies here. When God presents us with a clear call to do what is right, to stand up for the truth of God, will we be obedient? Will we step into the breach and, to quote Spike Lee, do the right thing? And as we listen to God's word today, what did you hear? Is God speaking to you about courage, obedience, and faith? You see, in chapter 8, we saw that Esther did appear in the king's court, having disclosed to the king that she is a Jew, and that Haman's hatred of the Jews has resulted in an edict to annihilate all of Esther's people. She now finds herself standing before the king with Mordecai at her side. Mordecai has been elevated to prime minister. Haman is killed as criminal, and his estate is given to Esther. Not only is Esther's life preserved, she remains queen, and Mordecai is directed to write a subsequent edict which protects the life of all of the Jews. This is a grand reversal. It's as if God is an expert at grand reversals. He fulfills his promise to the Jews through Esther's obedience God's people are protected. Humility? Indeed. Faithful and obedient action? Absolutely. Let me bring this to a close. Our gracious and holy Lord is powerful, merciful, and steadfast in his love for you. Yes, God's children fall into suffering, sometimes even bondage, but God never sets aside his promises. God is eternally faithful. God takes the side of the vulnerable. 
God truly cares for his children, for each and every person in this room today, and for billions of people outside of these walls. He brings low, but he also exalts. And then remember Kate Bowler's comment at the beginning. She writes, I've given up on most forms of certainty, except my deep belief that God draws near to those who suffer. So the question is this, where are you this morning? Perhaps everything is working out. Perhaps despite the pandemic, despite the rain, this is a season of blessing, happiness, and flourishing. If this is you, the word I have for you is this. Remain faithful, be humble, but also be willing to act, to obey, to sacrifice, and to risk following Christ wherever God calls. If, on the other hand, you're facing great difficulty, sadness, loss, you feel painfully vulnerable, I also want you to take comfort from these words. Remember God delivered his people from bondage and death, that God the Father, through the Spirit, raised our crucified Lord from the grave. And in Christ, you too can be delivered from all that stands in your way. Beloved, may you find comfort in the promises of God, in God's deliverance, and may you have the gift of hope and joy. In two weeks, we enter into the season of Advent, a time of prayer and yearning for light for the light of Christ to shine upon each of our hearts, and indeed upon the whole world. May you take great joy from the biblical witness that Esther, counting the cost of obedience, heeded the words that God's hand was upon her life. And may you also know that you have been called for such a time as this. So be humble courageous and faithful. Be bold enough to say yes to God, knowing that no matter how dark or challenging the moment may be, God always goes ahead of you, preparing the way and lighting your path. Beloved of God, receive this blessing. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you are blessed and be encouraged in your faith life. Chapel happens every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11 a.m. in the gymnasium or online at livechapel.twu.ca. You can also stay connected with us by following at TWU Chapel. Until next time, much love.